You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? I'm a long sample. Keep up. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freaking. I got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 net scouts. <laughs> Start see pictures, eh? Oh, wow. Thank you for that. Hello, and welcome to the Film and Loathing podcast for Monday, December 21st, 2020. This is episode number 93, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up this week, we have a review of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. It finally came out on Blu-ray and On Demand. We'll also be talking about some of the things that we watch and whatever else comes up along the way. So thank you for downloading, and thank you for listening. How you guys doing? I'm okay feel better than uh, I felt the past couple days, so I'm living living good right now. Home stretch to Christmas. You getting excited? No. All my family is down in Florida. My mom and my sister literally flew out today, and they were like, oh, man, it's so nice here. And I was like, bet it fucking is. <laughs> Dude, Chris, you have the perfect setup for Christmas. Dude, if your family's gone, you can just do whatever you want. I mean, you too can do whatever you want. You don't have to go to family Christmas, Zach. Right. I wouldn't know what looks like an asshole. I don't show up. I mean, you look like an asshole you're, either way. So Your family so. left to you. I'm still here. I'd be the one that had to leave. So basically what you're saying is I'm the one who has the leverage? Yes. Wow, this is a pretty good situation then. Yeah, you're kind you of forced to go Shit. Zach's kind of forced to go to family dinner because he lives there. Just yeah, I got somewhere to be. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jake? What do you do for Christmas? Well, Rich and I normally open up gifts in the morning, and then I'll make dinner. How many gifts do you guys get each other? Like, do you do like one a piece, or? No, normally we set like a spending limit. Okay. What would you think she would think if you she got to the Christmas tree and there was just one thing underneath the tree? Then she knew it cost that X amount of dollars. I mean, but she opened it up and it was like a mega deluxe hyper nerf gun. She probably did you get her with me. Hi- did you get her one? No, it wasn't on her Christmas list. But we'll have Ford. to see what Santa brings her. <laughs> Are you playing that card? Did you do, make Rachel list ten things that she wanted and then make her rule out one while the other? <laughs> Yeah, except I started at 20. <laughs> no, I think there's like, I think I got her like five, like five things. And then, you know, just a little stocking stuffer stuff. Do you guys have stereotypical stocking stuffer Searles stuff? What's stereotypical? Toothbrush? I don't know. I, like, a toothbrush. I feel like everybody always gets a new toothbrush, though. No, nothing like that. It's more like um, typically there's like the main gifts that they want to get each other, and then there's just like little odds and ends things that I'll throw in a stocking. You know, like some candy or 
Yeah. Um, I don't know, just like little things. Maybe like a book or something. Maybe. Ever, you guys ever give any toys or get any toys in your stockings? Mm, no toys in my stocking yet. We've only done stockings. This will be our second year doing it. We customarily always got three or four things. We'd always get a, an orange at the end of our stocking. We'd always get a Hot Wheels car. We'd always get some string cheese. <laughs> and we'd always get one of those, like, um, I don't know if you guys know what they are, but they're like this little yo-yo thing that's attached to this metal hook. And you kind of throw it back and forth and back and forth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking, talking about? about? You just gave me a brilliant yeah. idea to steal a bunch of Hot Wheels from the warehouse and give them to people that I know for Christmas. <laughs> you can slip a you can slip a Hot Wheel car in my Christmas package. Dude, there's do stockings at work at the restaurant. I'm literally gonna take a bunch of Hot Wheels and I'm gonna put them in one stocking. Dude, the perfect stocking stuffer. Well, let's put it this way: nobody opens a Hot Wheels and goes, "Oh, this sucks." <laughs> I've I've yet to see that expression. <laughs> Oh, a Hot Wheels again? It's more just like, oh shit, I lost the one that you gave me last year. Thanks for this again this year. I work with a guy who told his kids Santa was dead. <laughs> he was dead? He's dead? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so hard. Oh. I was like, oh, why? At what age? Like, like, did he tell them when they were like four years old? Or? Uh... No, like, he just told them this year, so I think, like, five, seven, and nine. Santa died of COVID, dude. <laughs> he, like, I guess his kid asked, like, if Santa would have to wear a mask to come in the house, and he said, no, Santa's dead. Jeez, oh, <laughs> like, traumatizing. I was like, why, why would you tell him that? And he was like... I worked my ass off all year so I could buy these little shits presents. Santa's not getting any of the fucking credit this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's perfect. Child's uh, mysterious magic of their life destroyed? Check. <laughs> Dude, if you think about it, though, if a kid believes that Santa truly is magical, you can kill him off this year, and next year he can just come back. Yeah, it's true. All right, now you're just giving him like necromancy powers. Like, I- I'm sorry, I'm I'm not down with that. Okay, Chris, you also know that Santa isn't real, so I mean, I, I understand really that, but like, I have to believe that there's there's a limit to Santa's power. Like, sure, he can get to every house in a single night on the entire planet, and, right, and but we if, should limit his power somehow. Yeah, I mean, he has to have a limitations. Like, you can't just be like, oh, Santa can bring people back from the dead, including himself. Not people, just himself. And honestly, I would believe that the elves would be the ones with magical powers that could bring him back from the dead. Not he himself. Doesn't say. He can't no, bring I'm... himself back from the dead. Okay, I think that if Santa has any type of power, he can reproduce asexually. So, like, he can just kind of... That's the power you think he has? Yeah, he can just shit out a baby and then, like, raise it to become himself. When we're done recording this, what asexual means. 
They by no means shit out babies. Doesn't asexual reproduction mean that, like, you just kind of, like, reproduce on your own? You clone yourself? You don't shit them out. I'm not saying you shit them out. You don't clone yourself because genetically it's different. What do you mean genetically it's different? Okay, fine. Then Santa reproduces by literally just, like, morphing into two people. Okay. That's how he stays alive forever. He doesn't stay alive forever, but, like, he lives it's like on. at the end of the prestige. You just <laughs> yeah, go down to Santa's basement, and there's just a hundred dead Santas and tanks. Dating back to, like, the early 1700s. Or whenever the fucking Santa thing came alive. I don't know. Dude, I'd feel bad for that guy. He's making, like, before it was really just, like, baseball bats and little race cars and fire trucks. And now he has to make, like, iPhone 10s and iPhone 11s. And he had to go from just basic wood shop skills to, like, learning how to be an, a computer engineer and, like, shit like that. Like, he's got a Again, tough life. Chris, I would love to reiterate, you know that he's not real. Yeah, totally. Dude. And secondly, Santa doesn't make anything, dude. It's his elves that he forces to learn all this stuff. Oh, and you don't know that he's forcing them, okay? They could just volunteer. Yeah, it's, sla- it's slave labor. <laughs> it's slave labor? Definitely. Where else are they going to go? I don't know, dude. It's like you can either like work in my shop and you take what you get, or you just go freeze to death in the North Pole. Wow, he's got them trapped up there. Yeah, he does. You think that's why he chose the North Pole? Yeah, it's so like, what are you else going to do? The reason he chose up there was so that he could just trap all the elves in there because he knows that they wouldn't be able to survive on their own if they left. But you would think with their, like, engineering skills that they've been forced to develop over the years, they could have developed some sort of system to get them out of there. No, or at dude, least overthrow he's... the fat man. Like, that's what I don't understand is how, how are they not overthrowing this guy? You think they should seize the means of production? <laughs> I think they. I think a couple of them have read some sort of manifesto. Is all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> it sounds like you're you're uh, you're uh, vowing for a communist uprising at the North Pole. Yeah, that's what, exactly what I'm vowing for. Are you kidding me? One guy who's in control of an entire group of people. And they're elves, and they're forced into slave labor. Like, if they were getting, like, if it was a capitalist society up there, and they were getting, you know, if they were getting a monetary gain from their services, then maybe I would be like, okay, you know, I could see that. But they're not. They're getting a place to live. Ooh, they could live anywhere. With their skills, they could get, you know, they could get high-paying jobs in New York City or L.A., get upper penthouse apartments. They could start their own corporations and their own businesses, but they're not, you know, because they're forced to work for some fat man in the North Pole. Although, actually, maybe realistically, maybe the, yeah. maybe the North Pole is as close to socialism as it gets, where everybody gets food, shelter, and water provided for them already. Chris, let me also just reiterate that within the span of maybe two and a half minutes, you went from feeling bad for Santa to now you just refer to him as the fat man 
who is this awful dictator. I would like for you to pick a side. I think it all just depends on how the elves feel about their situation. If the elves are like, we love it here, then, you know, whatever. Let them do their thing, you know? He's a big, jolly guy who's just, you know, giving a place to stay for elves who do this work for him in exchange. But if the elves are sitting there and they're living a low quality of life and they hate themselves and they're forced to do this kind of forced labor, then at that point I feel like... I don't know. He's a fat man. He's a piece of shit. Real nice. But at the same time, he's giving everybody across the entire planet these gifts. Like, I don't know. Incorrect. Just good children. All right. All right. So, like, half the population. Realistically, like, a third of the population. Well, a third of the population are not children. I'm talking about the, the child population, okay? And then we, I guess, from there, we have to limit it to, like, the Christian population, right? Santa's not religious. No, but, like, you don't ta- hear any Jewish people saying that they're like, hey, Santa brought me gifts. Like, you don't hear them. They, they would literally be the only group of people that you rule out. I feel like maybe, they, maybe all... Muslims. Maybe Muslims. Even you think Satanists celebrate, celebrate Santa Claus? Sure. Why not? So you had to limit it down to atheists and Christians. So realistically, Santa has to visit like a hundred houses in that night. That's totally doable. Yeah, everybody makes it seem like his job is so hard, but like we just cut off like half the population with our thing right there. The dude has one 12 hours a year. Grow up. The whole other 364 days, he's just crunching numbers. That's what he does. Yeah, the dude, he's basically Jacob. He's a numbers cruncher. <laughs> I wish I only worked one 12-hour shift a year. <laughs> dope. If I worked, and, and like, I mean, I can't imagine Santa Claus is getting some pretty good financial compensation for his work. Well, he is now that the federal government's paying him to make circuit boards. Ship for for Air Force for the Air Force yeah. for their planes. All right, Zach. What was this? What was this number you wanted to share with us? Well, for starters, we grew two hundred percent last year in Australia. We grew two hundred percent. So we went from one person to two people. No, it would have to be more than that. That'd be 100% growth. One person to three people? Gosh. Those are some big numbers. Vegemite, where are you at? Give us your sponsorship, dude. We got to bring these numbers to advertisers. This is the one that I wanted to share. So, so far in 2020, we've released 33 episodes, right? Okay. This will be the, the 34th. We have produced over 4,000 minutes of content. Nice. Wait, we produced how much content? 4,008 minutes. Shoot. In 30 episodes? In 33 episodes. That's pretty good. That's a lot. <laughs> what's, the, what's the hours on that? Uh, that would be... 66, almost 67 hours. 
So we have almost three days, three straight days of content just this year. You're welcome. <laughs> you want to match our total straight? Just do a three-day straight podcast. <laughs> I absolutely do not. I think the longest. Or review one record. Movie. I think the record for the longest continual podcast is like seventy-two or. Like four days, whatever that is, forty-eight hour, or uh, you can do the math. We could review Jack and Jill frame by frame. Did I do that? Are you kidding me? I mean, it'd have to be like an Adam Sandler movie. If I'm being completely honest, you think we could review one movie over three days? No. If we really tried, like frame by frame, we can frame. barely review one movie for thirty minutes. Yeah. Like our our review of the Truman Show is only as long as it is. Because we got into talking about if Truman was a chronic masturbator. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, shit. If you were looking for serious film criticism, this is not the place to come. But Truman's what? house might be the, the place to come. Is, is the place to come. <laughs> oh, my fucking gosh. We should, uh... I feel like there, there's some, like, movies out there that would necessitate, like, a super long viewing. Like, what about that, like, the slow movie movement or the, sh- you know, where those movies are, like, eight hours long? Oh, what's that, that, doc- what's that documentary about World War Two? Oh, shit. I don't know which one you're talking about, but that would be a dense watch. There is a documentary about irrigation systems in Africa over 24 hours long. Fuck, let's do it, guys, next week. <laughs> so, number one film of 2020. <laughs> number one, top 100, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> do you know what that's called? Do you know what that movie's called? No, also, I just looked it up before. How, how intricate are irrigation systems in Africa? Apparently 24 hours worth. Yeah, that's insane. Do they go maybe village they by village, city by city, town by town? Yeah, maybe they cover every single individual irrigation unit in Africa. They go to every single well throughout the entire country. <laughs> this one's big. This one's small. Imagine like the people like have been to every well in the country of Africa. It's like it's a weird goal, but good job, I guess. It's like that guy who wanted to walk every street in New York. That's kind of cool, though. I watched, that docu- I watched that documentary. That's the only reason I remembered it. And it wasn't New York. It was just the boroughs. Just the boroughs. That's it's still, still, like... Still, it's still a long time, though. I mean, like, how long did it take the guy? Years, I think. And was he, like, doing it every single day or something? Like, whenever he had spare time? Every day. That's he didn't such work. a waste he of didn't time. Work. That's such a waste of time. I'm sorry. You think he had a map and had to cross off the streets he'd already been on? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think he had a map or something like that. And he, like, kept track of where he went. Did he ever How get many... into some sketchy situations? Mm, a couple moments where, like, he was filming... And then these people would be like, yo, bro, don't, you can't fucking film me. That's illegal. And he's like, well, actually, I'm standing in the streets, public property. Like, I can film me if I want. Like, I can film this. 
And then people were like, no, uh. He's like, no, yeah, that's a thing. They're like, yeah, uh. So that's about it. Yeah, that's how Smoker gets away with all his videos. Who? Public property. Fed Smoker. Who's that? A right police on purpose. <laughs> For no real reason. Other than that he can be. This is, is this a rapper? No, it's a YouTube guy. Oh, uh, okay. He's an asshole to police. Oh, uh, okay. For, for no real reason. What does he say? I mean, what he say? <laughs> uh, he has this... I'll, I'll send you one of those videos. It's pretty good. Is that it's the hilarious. video you sent us? So this guy, he just like goes up to like this gate... And the guys are standing guard, and he just gets all up in their face about shit. Is that that guy? <laughs> he's irrationally angry about nothing. Yeah, and he's like trying to corral them. He's like trying to rile them up or whatever, and they're just like, <laughs> they're just like, what? <laughs> yeah, I remember. Well, that you one. got baby raper written on your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, he's the best. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Oh, all right. Well, you guys want to talk some tenant? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris, that you had to just immediately watch it and then talk about it. No, it's fine, dude. I feel like the last he thing I want to do is... As he pointed out last night, he was off today. So we had all day. I did have all day. I decided to play. He's Harry also we've been reviewing Tenant for a week now, so like. Yeah, but like today I had stuff I had to do. First things first, I had to go and I had to bake or I had to cook a a meal of asparagus, Yukon potatoes, and a prime rib, and then I had to go into the living room. Well, before that, I had to go in the living room, and I had to beat year two of the Harry Potter Lego video game. These are absolute necessities in my day. I'm sorry, I just could not compromise those. Let me see if I'm understanding this correctly. You're feeling sick, right? right? A little under the weather. You're going to make prime rib and asparagus? Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Hollandaise and potatoes. Most people are like, I think I'll take it easy today, make, maybe have some... Toast, maybe some cereal or some soup. You're like, I'm gonna have prime rib and asparagus. No, Chris did take it easy today. That's why he had the prime rib and asparagus. Dude, that shit was good. Uh, that's you not like have a ravioli and spaghettios immediately after. I would have. Yeah. Like, didn't barf it. <laughs> I would have thrown up in a heartbeat. Like it wouldn't have even taken a minute. I wouldn't have been able to make it to the bathroom if that were the case. Was it at least delicious? Oh my gosh, yeah, it was really good. I made it okay. a nice medium rare. Oh man, I whipped up some hollandaise sauce. The asparagus was roasted perfectly where it was just a little crunchy, you know, slightly al dente. And then the Yukon potatoes, I sliced them into quarter or quarter inch thick slices and I roasted them. Oh baby, that was a good meal. <laughs> As Made me feel better. I don't need a doctor to tell me what I need to do. 
I know what I need to do. Eat prime rib and hollandaise sauce. Fuck you. Yeah, I think the hollandaise sauce, I would have laid off that if I wasn't feeling good. I mean, it, it wasn't, like, as thick as I usually would be. It wasn't as, like, mucus. Oh, doctor, it's okay. Oh, okay. It was a chicken <laughs> hollandaise sauce. <laughs> Barely even a hollandaise. Dude, it was good. Had the still have the same. Yeah, I would flavor. call this the lion days. It was just a little bit different on texture, is all I'm saying. But, mm. and I feel like you guys are skipping right over the most important part of my day, and I was beating year two of the Harry Potter Lego video game. You guys just kind of jumped right over that. You guys make it seem like that. That's not an important thing. Did you be, did you go from start to finish? Beat it? Oh heck yeah, I did. That's a lot of time. I beat the snake today. and everything. I got still got year three, four, five, six, and seven to go. All Lego? All Lego. Huh. Body, that seems like a ginormous waste of time. Hey, I need a day for my I need some need some me time too, Zach. I do use that excuse a lot, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, all I'm saying is I feel like that's just as productive as learning close-up hand magic. I disagree. <laughs> You're in a social situation, right? <laughs> I say, oh, dude, you want to see a card trick? And everyone's like, I'd love to see a card trick. And you're like, do you want to hear about year two of Lego Harry Potter? How many people take sick to hear about year two of Lego Harry Potter? I understand. How many people at a party just want to randomly see magic tricks? Yeah, Everyone. Like, does, I always way. want to randomly see magic tricks. It all depends on how you word it. Like, if you go up to saw a group of people and you say, hey, you want to see a card trick? I can understand how people might be like, oh, yeah, I'd check that out. But then if you go up to people and you say, here, want to see some close-up hand magic? They're going to be like, no, fuck off. Hey, what are you going to try, you're try really, to jerk really me really off? What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk to someone. I'm going to make a card appear. I'm going to go, is this your card? And they're going to say, what are you doing? And I'm going to say, do you want to see a card trick? And I'll say, sure. And I'll show them. No, if you go up to somebody and say, is this your card? They're going to be like, no, what the fuck? Go away. <laughs> I'm just and then if you say you want to see a card trick, they're going to double down and be like, no, dude, I said go away. I'm going to say, why don't you just take a bite into that hamburger? And they're going to take a bite into the hamburger and they're going to start chewing like, I'm just card. No, no, here's what he's going to do. He's going to get one of those skillets, and he's going to have 52 burgers, and he's going to memorize which card is in each burger, and then he's going to perform a card trick sir, and be like, is this your card? Serve them the burger, have them bite into it, and they're going to be like, oh, dang, dude, that's right. That is no, my like, card. You actually know what would be really amazing? Okay, someone's eating a burger, right? You go out to him, and you just randomly, hey, is this your card? They're going to be like, what? What? Then they're going to be like, oh, check your burger. Then they're going to start pulling apart their burger trying to find the card and there's no card in there so they just wasted their whole burger <laughs> got him Zach is going to get really good at sleight of hand and he's going to be doing these card tricks and he's going to slide a card into the burger while they're not looking so when they bite in they're just like fuck it was in here the whole time that that was the definition of sleight of hand it's got to be a burger though there's literally no other option Look, I, I'm willing to concede there are plenty of situations in which no one wants to see a magic trick. 
I can't think of it. There's a lot of fuddy-duddies out there that don't want to see magic tricks. What I do know is that 0% of the time does someone want to hear about Lego Harry Potter. First off, Zach, if you want to be serious, stop calling them tricks. They're not tricks, they're skills. Yeah, no, don't involved. call them skills. It just makes it seem cooler than it actually is. <laughs> it's, hey, you guys want to see some magic skills? It's far more of a skill than palatable. Like, I was talking about, I can't remember if I was talking to you guys about this or, like, to Alyssa, but, like, there's a very big window where magic isn't cool. Like, if you're from the ages of zero to, like, eight years old, it's okay to be bad at magic. But if you're, like, eight and older, you have to be good at magic or else, it, look, it's fucking stupid. Dude, some seven-year-old trying to be a trick and bad at it, I'm going to tell him. No, you're not. Yeah. Some yeah, seven-year-old seven. tries to show me a trick and say, yeah, like, I know how you did that. And say, no, you don't. I'm going to tell them exactly how I did it. And they're going to be so disappointed. And you know what? They're either going to quit right then and there, or they're going to be like, I'll show that motherfucker that I can be good at this. And so he's just... never going to know how I did this trick. And that's, so how you, that's how you create greatness and get rid of the weak ones. So it's your job as a mediocre magician to thin out the herd. Oh, I'm not thin out the seven-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, you got to weed out the competition, Chris. Mark, okay, if, if one if one guy says, saying one mean thing to you makes you want to quit, you're not cut out for the magic world, bud. Sorry. I, I completely understand the, the argument that you would want to not <laughs> do that. You would, you would want to weed out the competition because – there's a very small market for magicians. A very, no, very it's pretty big. Have you ever been to Vegas? Okay, one town in the entire world where magicians are actually cool. You just you're saying this because you can't, because you just, you just don't have what it takes, and that's fine. Not everyone does. <laughs> sure. Whatever <laughs> else you sleep in, sec. You make fun of me. You make fun of me playing Larry uh, Harry Potter Lego in a day. Harry <laughs> Potter. It's, it's, Larry only Potter. Like, it's, <laughs> it's only because you can't do it, Zach. Like I get it. You know, just staying out the herd. Like you can't play it. It's fine. I yeah. I can't. I don't really want to. He after he gets off here, he's gonna download Larry. Uh, he's gonna download Larry, the Harry Potter. Larry, Potter. <laughs> Larry Potter Lego in a second. <laughs> Harry Potter Lego. All right. <clears throat> so Tenet, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, stars uh, John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Kenneth Branagh. And the plot synopsis is a secret agent is given a single word as his weapon and sent to prevent the onset of World War III. He must travel through time and bend the laws of nature in order to be successful in his mission. What do you guys think of Tenet? I, uh... I don't know. This is one of those movies that seems unfair to review and give a star rating to when you've only seen it once. Yep. It seems like a movie you kind of have to see like two, maybe three times. Upon that's not why we're here. We're not here to make excuses, Chris. We're here to review Tenet. So I would say Tenet has 
I liked it. I did not love it. It seems to me Christopher Nolan is recycling ideas and took a very simple idea and made it unnecessarily very complicated. Yes, tell me more. I just... I don't know. The whole global plot to stop one man from having this device and destroying the entire world, like... I don't don't know. I just... It's it's a very tired trope. It's a very tired plot. And then something like that, and you're adding this time travel-esque twist. I like the time travel aspects of it. It just seems like it just gets so unnecessarily complicated. And, like, I I don't get why this movie couldn't have been simpler. Especially since it doesn't feel like there's really much deeper to like look into here than some of his other movies it doesn't i don't feel the need for this to be that complicated mm-hmm. like something with interstellar i can understand because i feel like he's getting at something more i don't on upon viewing i don't feel as though there's a something more to this movie yeah, i guess that's my biggest takeaway from it was guy i had read leading up to this that you know, that he was inspired by espionage movies, but then tried to not be, like, try to, like, pull in anything from them. But it's like, dude, you pulled in, like, everything from them. This is, like, it seems like, you know, if, if at the beginning of the movie there was a meeting with Judy Dench and she was like, you got to stop this guy. You got a Bond movie, basically. Yeah, replace John David Washington with Daniel Craig and this is James Bond. Yeah, I mean, it's not really that far from it. And then, you know, all the plot all the plot stuff aside, like, I think that's going to take a couple times watching to try to figure out just exactly, like, plot-wise how it all works and, like, if it even works. But all that aside, I feel like you can still sort of get invested into the story or, like, the mission and feel, and feel like there's something at stake, even if you aren't following the plot and i never felt like there was ever anything at stake you know what i mean like i never felt like worried that they were never going to pull off their mission like i never like, I, I just never was worried about anything so at, at some point you're just you're kind of checked out of that emotional investment and then you're just like trying to follow <laughs> plot threads and be try to like see like oh how does this make sense like this that does this make sense like well, do these just- time travel rules work a lot of the time how they kind of get you to be in the character's shoes is they try and make the the main character your protagonist as emotionally complex as possible you know but like this is the most one-dimensional main character that i've seen in any of his movies he's literally just a guy who's trying to stop the world and he tries to make an emotional connection through a side character which not going to say it doesn't hit, but, like, it's a side character, and it can only go so far, you know? I will, I will agree. To get a lot of the details, it needs to be viewed, like, multiple times. But this is probably one of his only movies that I don't feel that compelled to want to see again. After Dunkirk, I immediately wanted to watch it again. I was like, I don't really understand all the time violations here. Like, I want to see it again, and try to nail it down after watching like oh, yeah that was pretty cool but like 
I, I have no real urge or desire to be like, I need to watch this and understand what's going on. I'm kind of interested to wa- I'm definitely interested to watch it again to try to like sort those things out. Um, but then like, I don't, I'm not sure as if, like, I think the only thing you're going to get, like when you keep rewatching this is that you're, you're just going to be able to explain to yourself how like the inversion stuff lines up with like the normal stuff. I don't think it's something where like inception where you can keep going back to it and look at it and like maybe interpret things differently and ask different questions. Um, you know, and reveal to different things like this to me just seems like. Once you get the plot straightened out, that's really all there is to it. I don't. I think I agree with you, Zach. I don't think there really is anything that complicated. Like I, I loved the inversion stuff. I, I just wish it was used in a much more interesting story than the one we are given. I'm, I'm okay with the story that we're given. Like I think that's really an interesting idea to play with. People in the future are trying to destroy the past because they're betting on the idea that they're going to be okay, even if the past doesn't happen. Like, I think it definitely leaves a lot of questions that can't be answered because it's all paradoxical, which kind of works against it, you know? But I like, just, any character can say anything, and it's like, okay, like, I guess I believe you because I have absolutely no idea how this world works. So I, I believe that what you're saying is true. That if, when you fight, like, I, I don't know. There's a point where he's trying to explain, like, the inversion and how that's going to work. Like, the with when they have, like, the red team and the blue team, and, like, one team is coming at them from the future and the other team is coming at them from the present. And he's, like, explaining how that works. And it's like, yeah, dude, like, I guess that's how it works. I literally have no idea how any of this works. <laughs> I wish the big thing that was disappointing to me was the first time we get to really see like an inversion happen is when it's because he wants to go save a girl. Like I really wish like something consequential would have happened to then he's like, okay, I got to step back. Okay. Here you fucking go. You take Avengers Endgame, right? All problems in the world you want with it. But at least their motivation for wanting to rewind time was that something consequential happened, right? So half the population gets snapped, and they want to bring certain people back, right? Like, not for just themselves, but for a whole global thing, right? So they go through this whole thing to make that happen. This is just, like, one guy faced with a global threat, but he wants to go back in time to save, like, one girl that he's got a crush on. Like, I wish there would have been more, like, wide-scale... Um, like something, like something happened, like on a grand scale. That it's like, oh shit! Like if you don't go back and fix that, like this is fucked. Well, like yeah, I'm not. Like, when you start playing with the concept of time, like the way he's doing here, you're opening yourself up to the idea that, I mean, worst case scenario, you can just go back and try again. If like you know, doing going time in reverse is a possibility, then you can always just reverse time. You know, there's no it. It, it kind of leaves the idea in your head that there aren't really as many consequences as to their actions as they're trying to make it seem. Like I'm not a CIA operative, right? I'm a special ops guy, but I'm pretty sure that those guys are trained extensively not to let like emotions affect their mission. Now, I, I swear, John David Washington does that at least twelve times in this movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
And, like, I get it. It's a movie. But, like, he really tries to drill in your head that this is a, like, by-the-book kind of guy. Like, he is a dedicated man to the mission because of what you inevitably find out at the end. But, like... He just he just seems to do so many things that would compromise the mission if it didn't go perfectly. Yeah, I guess I'm just getting. I should, or it's, just, it's just kind of boring to be like, someone ends up saving the world because they save the girl instead of being like they save the girl because they save the world. Also, you know what, dude? I'll say it. This movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours long. Christopher Nolan gets this, gets this kind of pass where like, he can do this kind of stuff, and because of the inverse stuff, he takes extra time to like try and explain some of this. There's no need for this movie to be two and a half hours long. I guess I didn't it opens really quite it up for a notice. lot of cool sequences, though. I, I disagree. I, I can think of two, maybe three. Other than that, it's like people playing and people talking. I guess. Like, at I least, thought... like, in seven is almost three hours, but the last, like, hour and a half of that movie is them going deeper and deeper and deeper into a dream. I feel like that movie had a whole lot more potential to be successful, though. Just even strictly based on the cast and the idea in itself, and I feel like he was trying to do a similar thing here where he was trying to blow everybody's mind, but... I mean, his characters were one-dimensional, you know? I thought John Washington was really good. I thought he was okay. Oh, I thought, I thought the acting he... was great. I loved it. John David Washington. I loved Elizabeth Debicki. I loved Robert Pattinson in it. I disagree. I, I don't know what it was about uh, Mr. Washington, but he just seemed... I don't know. He just seemed very soldier-esque the whole time, which I get it, but, like, well, give is. us... I'm just saying, like, I know he's a soldier, but, like, you got to show at least some range for me to find it, like, somewhat enjoyable. Look, Sebastian, I get it. You're a boxer in this movie. But could you try being a little less boxer-like for this movie? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is for somebody who, like you said earlier, does a lot of things that are based strictly on his emotions kind of needs to be somewhat emotional, right? I will say, he has some one-liners that really don't work for me. <laughs> but, I mean, I love the visuals. Like, the fight scenes, like, in reverse, I thought those were pretty cool. I thought the opening was cool. Oh, and the opera house? Yeah, so yeah. I... See, I really thought that, I really thought that, like, given how, like, we understand sort of, like, inversion, how that works, and I thought that given that the movie Tenet is a palindrome, I really thought that the movie would have literally come full circle somehow. At the Opera House? Somehow, yeah. That would have been cool. would have been a lot cooler than the ending that we do get. I don't know. I kind of like the twist at the end. I don't really think it's a twist. Oh, it's most definitely a twist. a twist. Are you kidding me? No, I don't think so. 
that he's orchestrating it from the future. That doesn't make it. Oh, okay. spoiler alert. Jeez. You set up the fact that, like, once they set up that fact, I think it's pretty obvious at that point. Okay, here's my question. This is what I don't really understand. And maybe you guys have a take on it. So, yes, this is spoilers. If you haven't seen it, fast forward. Um, if he's orchestrating this from the future, why is he putting himself through a test at the opera house? Wouldn't he already know that he is worthy of it? Because for things to go in a way that he needs them to go, they need to go the way that he experienced them in the beginning. But like that whole test is to prove that he's that he's worthy of being in this tenant program. But he started the tenant program. So like why would you have to set that up? I don't did they say that it was him who started the tenant program? I think they only said that it was established in the future. No, he sets oh, it up. He set up the tenant program. I guess I missed that part. Chris, he's the protagonist. I know he's the protagonist, but that doesn't mean he's the creator of Tenet. No, he says it when he's in the car with that Indian woman. Well, I know he says that I'm the protagonist. I just didn't know that that meant that he was the creator of Tenet. I guess I just didn't put that piece together. He sent himself on this mission, too. Well, I knew that. But again, I... if you're not asking... Why does he have to test himself in the past to get chosen for this if he already is, if he's already setting it up? I, I also don't like how Christopher Nolan breaks his rule on the boat. So you know what I was saying? He, everybody has to wear a mask if you're inverted because you can't breathe the oxygen. Yeah. Elizabeth DeBecky is inverted on the boat and not wearing a mask. That's not true. Yeah, that's she's how she's for... able. Yes, she is, because that in order only way for her to go back to that moment is for her to be inverted. To get inverted and then to be re not inverted, so that she's just there's two people in the same timeline that are her. How do so we she... not? Oh, so she... we just didn't see her become. Yeah, like, you don't yeah, see go her back. go through the turnstile, but she. It's it, it from my what I assumed it was safe to assume that she went through a turnstile to go back interesting yeah so the whole time like that's my thing is that like at the very end they're all moving forward in the same exact time frame as um the the original boat scene right right yeah so that means that there's multiple um of each person inside that timeline forever because you can't go forward in time, you can only go backwards. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I do like the moment where, like, Robert Pattinson's, like, it's the end of a friendship for him, it's the beginning of a friendship for John David Washington. That yeah, I thought that, that was cool. I guess that's the problem when anytime you do, like, a time travel movie, like, you're always going to open up a can of worms. It seems to be like all he does is time travel movies. All he does is open up dance rooms. I think that's like part of the problem, which is that I'm just kind of getting bored of this Christopher Nolan shtick. I'm not getting bored with it. I just think it's like like, he's just going to make these movies about time and manipulating time. And that's fine, Nolan. Like, 
do what you want to do, but I, I personally find them less and less interesting. Well, it's like he's used. Well, the before he was using time as a tool, and in this one, it seems like time is the concept of the movie itself. Like when you go to Inception, time moves slower as you go deeper. That's just you know a rule that he creates involving time. But in this I one, think people compare this to Inception. I've seen that comparison. Inception is miles better than this movie. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. I'm just saying that, like, this one where time is literally the point of the movie, that's when it opens up to, like, a whole slew of just, like, fucky things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, I do really, I did really, like, I had a good time with the movie. And, like, I still think there's a couple questions that, like, I'd like to have answered. So I think it is worth revisiting for me. I guess just after my initial viewing, I'm worried that rewatch after rewatch after rewatch, there will become nothing to be invested in. Because, like, when the characters, I was like, I kind of agree with you, Chris. Like, I don't think the characters are, like, that complex, like, that, um, like, in-depth. So I think it's, like, hard to grasp onto them. And that, like, with this thing of, like, not really being invested in any sort of drama in the movie... Like, I just think, like, over time, it's going to be hard to cling on to those things and, like, to carry any weight. I will agree. Like, I think from rewatching it, the only thing you're going to gain is just clarification on the plot. I, I think the problem that I have with the plot is that whenever your stakes are, like, the fate of the world, kind of like, I, I don't know, that I'm immediately checked out at that point. Like, it just seems, like, too big and grand, like, grasp. Like, the fate of the world. I don't, it just seems way too big. Like, Inception, right? The snakes in those ones are, like, they're, they're doing a job. And that's kind of it. Just to complete the job. They're being paid mm-hmm. to do X, Y, and Z. To do X, Y, and Z. This is, like... If you do not succeed, the world is over. I said, okay, well, you know the world's not going to be over at the end of the movie, so they must succeed. So now, you just have to see how. If you compare this to, you know, the best action movie ever made, Mission Impossible Fallout, the stakes are not that high in Mission Impossible Fallout. Tom Cruise wants to succeed because if he doesn't, his love, his wife... Ex-wife, she's gonna die, so he's got to succeed. So I guess that's kind of a good example because even though like you know like your hero is gonna win out in the end in those movies, but like they do such a good enough job of like pulling you along that you're like shit. Like I know he's gonna do it, but I don't know how he's gonna do it, and like I gotta see how he does this. Beyond and that, like not to mention the stunts and the set pieces in Mission Impossible Fallout are miles ahead of anything in this movie. Yeah. A tenant, like, okay, honest, to be completely honest with you, when he goes, the very first time he goes to the turnstile, and, like, you're start, now starting to begin, like, his inversion, and, like, starting to play with that, there was, a very quickly, I became lost. And, like, when you have long expositions of people explaining to you, like, how what you just saw works, or, like, how what you're about to see works, like, that for me just got very hard to follow. So, like, 
maybe like maybe that last action scene is actually kind of cool but my whole thing i was just thinking like okay she like how do the rules of inversion again like this blue team's doing that but like then it's going to converge and then it's it's, i'm just like how how is this happening how is this possible and then i don't even care about what's going on because i can't even get the thing straight in my head like what's happening like i said it's the plot is simply stop this guy from ending the world, but it's just made as complicated as possible. I think Jake brought up a good point, though, that, like, you know that he's going to be successful in the end. But, like, it doesn't seem like there's obviously a lot of risk involved it being the fate of the world and all. But a lot of the time it's about how they get there and, like, what at what cost do they accomplish their goal? But at, in this movie, as soon as sacrifice anything, that's what I'm saying. Though he's so one-dimensional that there's nothing really for him to lose. So it's he's it, automatically you're just like he's going to be successful. So it's just but, kind like, of like if it, it's far more interesting. If, let's say he has to let Elizabeth Debicki die so that he can save the world. That gets interesting because like there was a point in time where that could have been the case. But instead, he decides to invert to save her life so so that she can stall. Like, it just kind of seems once they decide, once they make that decision, you know, everything kind of falls flat. Which is around the same time they go the inverter in the first place. Or if she was just, like, more integral to the story. Like, what if it was something like Robert Pattinson? Something happens to him, so then it's like, oh, shit, I literally need this guy to save the world. Okay, so now I'm going to invert myself so I can save him. Plus, like, he has, like, two mentors in this movie. He has he has Robert Pattinson, who clearly knows more and is guiding him along indirectly. And then he has the the lady in Mumbai, who was knows way, way too much for being somebody who's not directly involved with Tenet. But she is, to find out in the end. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not entirely certain of that, all of that, plot-wise. Like, at the end of the movie, right, John David Washington gets to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, the saying goes, he can't do that, but he gets to, and that's just, that's why it's not a great movie for me. Yeah. <laughs> um... I mean, I still think it's up there, honestly, with, like, one of, probably, I guess, one of the better ones I've seen this year, only because it held my attention and um, I, wa- <clears throat> I was looking forward to it, but... I'll tell you what, that one scene where, like, they were blowing the bottom half of the building and the top half of the building up at the same time, that was super interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was visually kind of cool, but then at the same time in my head, I was like, how does this work out? Yeah. Like, it had to, like, perfectly will, line up. Tenet will not be appearing on any top ten list of mine, simply as a statement. I'm sure Christopher Nolan is listening. You're going to have to do better than this, bud. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening, too. Dunkirk is one of the greatest movies of all time. You're going to follow it up with this? Oh my god! That's a hot take. Shit, dude. That's not a hot take. That's a complete hot take. Dunkirk is one of the greatest movies of all time. Dunkirk is the greatest war movie of all time and one of the greatest movies of all time. 
one one of the greatest war movies of all time. Sure, I can. No, 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 the greatest war movie of all time. Oh my fucking gosh! Okay, I didn't stutter. That's for a different time. The greatest war movie? You saying the greatest? Like there are any other war movie is below Dunkirk. I feel pretty confident in that statement. Yeah. In terms of what? Like, what's your measuring stick for what makes the great war film? Uh, I don't know. Name me a war movie that you think is better than Dunkirk. Well, that's what. What are we measuring? Because you know, someone says a movie like Come and See, that talks about like the harsh brutality of yeah, war. And that's how it affects the war. It's not a war movie. How is that Try not again. a war movie? How is that not a it's war not, movie? It's about the effects of war, not a war movie. Come again. Try again. I'm sure there was so a war in Chronicles so, of Narnia, right? So are you just saying that a war film is out, like, battles take place? Like, guns Straight are shot, bombs are dropped? Movie. Like, there's fighting? Yeah. I got, I'm sorry. I'm taking Saving Private Ryan over this. You're fucked, bud. Dunkirk is definitely better than Saving Private Ryan. I'm but sorry. I can't agree with that statement. That the greatest of all alone. time. Such an outlandish statement. You guys aren't coming up with anything that's better. We were soldiers. I already told you. We were soldiers? Are you fucking high? Not yet. Maybe small soldiers, but not we were soldiers. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, besides Saving Private Ryan, I haven't seen any movies that are better than Dunkirk in a war movie. All I'm saying is that for yeah. you to sit here and tell us that we haven't seen enough war movies to make a statement about it, what makes you so sure that you've seen enough war movies I'm to be able to make you that seen statement? Enough. I'm just saying you think it's such a crazy statement, but you can only produce one movie bold. that you think is better than Dunkirk. I think it's bold. I uh, said hot take. Paths of Glory. Not better than Dunkirk. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Wishes. Uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That's not a The Hurt Locker. I'm, like, I'm just saying, Christopher Nolan has bangers, right? Yeah, He's there you go. What about bangers uh, in his the Hurt Locker? What about Hurt Locker? Or is that that's a Effects war movie. of War, not that's War? That's a war movie. That's, Shut up. That's a war movie, but it's not Barry Dunkirk. Okay. I think they're – I think – I would like to. I'd like to do that double feature. Is all. I'm all right, saying. we're gonna do another bracket war films. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, oh shit! Are we including like? Does it have to be strictly human war or like? What about that it movie that watched like the bugs? War. The space. Yeah, Starship Starship Troopers. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't count. Star Science Wars. Science fiction movie. Science fiction. Yeah. I'm just saying. Edge of Tomorrow kind of counts, right? Science fiction. Braveheart? Historical drama. What the hell so is gotta be like is everything a historical drama? It's got to be like Civil War forward. Is that what a war movie is to you? Yeah, like I'm not going to compare Braveheart to Dunkirk. Like the, the swords and the spears movies can be compared. Then the gun movies can be compared. You can't compare one, one from each group. Oh, okay. So when you like start to put all these movies into very specific categories, you look at the category that Dunkirk's in. It's the best of them, right? Yeah, I'm talking like oh, okay. Dunkirk is the greatest 
World War II movie in which the Nazis are never seen and the main character is never given a name. Right? Okay, yeah. of, all, of all those movies, yeah, you're right. Dunkirk's probably the best. <laughs> you limited this category. You're slowly whittling it down. <laughs> oh, that's one thing I will say that the score for this movie, maybe it was just like what I was watching. I liked it, but like, it seemed unnecessarily intense at the point. In the did beginning. you guys watch it with subtitles? I did. I didn't, just despite you. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go for you? Did you understand like a third of the movie? I got lost at points is all I'm going to say. Yeah, I told you to watch it with subtitles. <laughs> you did. And just, I, I watched Captain Phillips without subtitles. And boy, is that movie a lot different when you watch it with subtitles. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, it is. That movie is one line, and it's "I am the captain now." That's 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 the movie. My favorite line is when Tom Hanks just breaks into tears when he saves his hand. Oh my gosh! See the craziest thing about dolphin. the craziest thing about Tenet is that there are times that the score is so intense, and they're talking, and the subtitles literally say like indiscernible, like indiscernible words or whatever he must do it on purpose then but why oh it has to be on purpose i just don't i don't know why uh, it seems crazy that christopher nolan thinks this is the movie that was going to bring back theaters like, it's this a cool is spectacle not for time. audience i think the whole oh he crashed a real plane into a building like that's kind of cool it is kind of cool, but, like, I thought that the, a lot of the movie was just for show. I feel like I it was this big, for grand thing. million dollar movie, I don't know how anyone thinks it appeals to a mass audience. Oh, yeah, I don't know. This, like, this seems like it's, like, so many Honestly, people I don't know check out of this. Movie I would have thought so many people would check out of this and just have no clue what's going be, on. Like, having a lot of walkouts. No, not that yeah. level. No, people don't like to feel stupid. Yeah, and after an hour in this movie, you feel pretty stupid. But people would stick around for the effects. I also think people might walk out either because they can't understand, like they don't know what's going on, or they'd be like, I can't understand a single word that's being said. Like, I need to. I just need to watch this later when I have subtitles or something. Yeah, imagine going up to the, like the people that are working on the counter and be like, oh, that movie, that's so loud, I can't even hear what they're saying. Can you turn it down? And then you turn it down and you realize, oh, wow, this is just how the movie is. That pissed me yeah. off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you guys got anything else you need to get off your chest about Tenet? I think I'm about, I said about... All I wanted to say, for the time being, or for only seeing it one time. I'm good. You've made your Nolan, now you lie in it. Yep. Uh, what are you guys going to give Tenet out of five stars? As best you can, I know it's kind of a ridiculous request, but... Four. It's going to get a three from me. Um, I think I'm at a solid four. Could go up. Not sure. We'll see. Have not seen 
memento or following. But as of right now, this sits at the bottom of bottom of the no one for me. And it's a four? Not the very bottom, but like near the bottom. You, I was about to say, you think his worst movie is a four? The only yeah, I mean, one I, I, he's got a pretty good filmography then. I think he does. The Dark Knight Rises is his worst movie. No, that's a three and a half. Uh, the only one I haven't seen is Insomnia, which I love. So. That's the only one I have not seen. I'd like to though. Memento is. Con- I can see Zach you hating Memento. I believe it. I'm a big guy because it, cause it is sort of a simple story, complicated. The fate of the world at stake. The fate of the world is not at stake, so there's not that. But just like the way he tells it by like jumping, like the way he tells it through like colored and black and white, and like how they're like pieced together and like what they're supposed to be, it can be a little bit confusing at times. Not like overly I'm confusing. Like, but... I'm not even a huge Interstellar guy, but I still think like I can overlook some of the issues I have with that because he's trying to get. At something deeper with Interstellar. Well, see, I think the thing that works so well about Interstellar is that kind of the world is at stake, but, like, Matthew McConaughey is trying to save the world to save his daughter, right? That's what I was talking about. You save the world to save the girl. Don't save the girl and just happen to save the world. It doesn't work out. So, like, there's emotional investment. If him, like... He's trying to do everything he can so that he can get back to his daughter. And it's heartbreaking that she thinks that he just left. Like, you know that he's trying, but she doesn't know that. And that's what's so heartbreaking. Like, the scene where he comes back from the planet after they've wasted, like, 30 years and he has to watch all the tapes of his daughter aging in front of him. There's no scene that even comes close to that. That crying scene? Yeah. I heard that that was done first take. I don't see how you could do that more than once. No, no, dude. I think like to get to that that level of emotional of an emotional response, I just have a hard time believing somebody could do that one take. That's why Matthew McConaughey's paid millions of dollars. I know it, dude. He's good at what he and does. He's playing Lego Harry Potter all day. Oh my gosh! Whatever, Mister Close Up Hand Magic. <laughs> so I read that they were good. That plane crashed, right? The plane they actually crashed. They were going to shoot that like with just miniatures and whatnot. But when they were planning it out, it was cheaper for them just to buy a plane and crash it. Which begs the question: like, how elaborate are these miniatures that you're building? It's cheaper to just crash a real plane. <laughs> I was also thinking that these guys are. There's like probably one company that does it. Like one company, and they're just like. We're going to charge you whatever we want. It was going to be like a combination of like miniatures and CGI. And that was going to be more expensive than just crashing a real plane. Well, maybe it's more like because you got to pay the people to design the miniature and build it and then do different takes of it. So you just buy the plane once. You got one take. Whatever happens, happens. It's pretty badass. It's very Christopher Nolan. 
Yes, it is. Um, I mean, I'm curious. I guess I'm curious to see what. See, what's so funny to me is uh, how they kept this movie like so hush hush. But it's like if you were to explain this to a person, try to spoil it, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> I read that Michael Caine didn't even know what the movie was about. They saw it for the first time because he was only allowed to see like his scenes. It's like. Yeah, good luck explaining to anyone what this movie is about. Like, <laughs> the secret is that it's confusing as fuck. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. It's really fucking confusing and hard to follow. Shh. <laughs> don't worry, bud. No one's cracking that safe. <clears throat> that was a reference to one of his other movies, wasn't it? No, it was a Hitch reference. A hitch reference? The vault locked down. I'm like a vault, baby. Locked down. You mean the greatest movie of all time? Okay, I see. Chris, I'm very curious. Is Hitch going to be in your top 100? Yes. It's not even a question. It was my favorite movie for the longest time. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's such an easy watch. Like it's it's so it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, oh, what? An hour and a half has gone by. That's crazy. What? Well, See, I, I always knew it. Mendez in the end. It's got everything you could want in a movie. It's got Kevin James dancing. That's true. You, you <laughs> just stopped at Kevin James. Everything I want. want. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> that's the all I want. Most movies don't have it, so. It goes Hitch and then Paul Blart, and I think that the grown-ups after that, and that's about it. You forgot Zookeeper there, bud. Oh, shoot. Zookeeper. Yeah, but that one's a stinker. That one goes below grown up no, still no, better no. it's still the to, best movie of all time though but you need to revisit zookeeper but and here comes the boom i think you're missing some gems here oh shoot here comes the boom i totally forgot about that movie yeah never mind that's number one that's double bill of comedy sports movies where we can do the longest yard and here comes the boom we're living in a good world where we can watch both of those back to back am i right guys <laughs> Christopher Nolan, <laughs> Christopher Nolan needs to watch more Kevin James. That's all I'm saying. Christopher Nolan could take a few pages out of the old Vance Dugan playbook. Am I right, bud? <laughs> Let's just say Christopher Nolan's not on my Mount Rushmore, but Dennis Dugan is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's really going to be talking about Tan when this is the same that Who Be Halloween came out? Like, it's a fuck. Good- that you're is a preaching, good point. You're preaching to the fire here, Zach. Jake is secretly like if inflamed inside. He's curdling on the inside. No, I'm glad you liked Hubie Halloween so much. Man, it's my number I liked one it of too. the year. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It's my number one. Uh, it's up there. But I mean I get possessor of six. That's number one. Uh did you guys watch anything else this week? No. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't get to anything this week. It's okay, I only got one other thing that's worth talking about. I've got two. Do you want to start it off then, Zach? Um, I rewatched Free Solo. I. <sighs> Does he get to the top this time? Yeah, this time. Last time he, he didn't, so it's, it's a <laughs> twist this time. 
Now, I I really was curious if this was something that I could try to squeeze into like the 90 spot in my top 100 because I do love it. I don't. I don't think it's gonna make it, but I do love the movie. I think it's like a very visceral experience for a movie in which you know it's it's the opposite of Tenet, right? Like you know he's gonna live because you can watch interviews with him after this happened, but like it's so intense. Unlike Tenet, you know it's gonna happen and it's not intense. Dude, my palms were sweating for a majority of Free Solo. Thank goodness his palms weren't sweating, am I right? (laughs) There's like a few movies. I didn't hear you say it cut in and out. What'd you say? I said, thank goodness his palms weren't sweating, am I right? Oh, yeah, for real. (laughs) Could have made for a real short movie. Oh, he's got vomit on his sweater already. His mom's spaghetti. Oh, gosh. This is a this is a movie I would like to be in an IMAX theater. Mm. I think if you take away this like tremendous athletic achievement, it's still an interesting movie. Like just about this, guy. I'd put it in the same band as American Movie, where it's like this is a guy who has chosen to deliberately live this certain way in pursuit of something, and I think that is just inherently interesting. But then you. You know, as someone puts it in the movie, it's a gold medal Olympic achievement where if you don't succeed, you die. Which is pretty crazy to think about. What's that? What's his next like big challenge? What's he gonna free climb next? I don't think Empire he's State Building. That'd be something. Do they do that? I think there are people in Japan that do that. That'd be crazy. They climb like really tall buildings. Tom Cruise would be going up next to him. Dude, he could do it. Dude, he sat on top of the Verge Khalifa. I bet he could give it a try. You guys watch his rant video? Yeah. What? <laughs> Good. That's going to be my favorite movie of 2020. <laughs> you didn't hear about this, Chris? No. They had to shut down or uh, filming, I think, right, for uh, the new Mission Impossible because some team members broke COVID protocols and he went ape shit on their ass. He broke yeah. ghost protocol. He they broke ghost protocol. Ghost protocol <laughs> broke bud. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he goes off. I mean, I get it. If you look it up, Chris, it's pretty good. You'll have a good laugh. Good. All I'm ever seeing is like Entertainment Tonight talking about it. I'm not seeing any of the actual clips. Yeah, you, it's out there. You go find it. I'll find it. It's like all over. It's work. It was all over Instagram. Yeah, I don't have Instagram or Facebook anymore. Oh well. I'm off <laughs> the network, guys. Same for you. I'm done. Um. I watched a movie from 2020, currently on Netflix, called His House. Directed Who's by house? His House, directed by Remy Weeks. Our house and in the middle of the street. Our house. And it's about uh, two 
uh, immigrants fleeing South Sudan, and they take refuge in uh, the UK. And the so the movie is that so the idea is that so they're not technically citizens; they're asylum seekers. So that there's like a couple of rules they have to follow. So it means like they're not allowed to make income um, outside of like what the government gives them. They're not allowed to Word. leave. Yeah, they're not allowed. To, they're not allowed to leave the occupancy that they establish for them. A uh, couple different things, and like until things get squared away and they can become citizens. So they get put in like this pretty shitty house. It's pretty run down. Um, but at first they kind of look at it as, uh, you know, this is better than what life was like where we're from. This is like better than the civil war that was happening. Um, and then as the movie unfolds, it sort of starts to become like a haunted house movie. And I actually thought that some of the imagery was actually pretty creepy. And like some of the ways that they like did things I thought was pretty good. Um, I thought it was pretty entertaining for, for simply, essentially just being like a one, like a one location film. Um, I thought like the main actor in it, actually the both the actor and the actress, like the two the two leads, I thought they were both really good in it. And unlike Ten, I actually did think there was a pretty good twist at the end. Oh shit. More of like a character twist than like a plot twist or anything like that. Which was when I saw it, I was like, I was like, oh shit, that's that's intense. That's camping. That's camping. That's camping, but yeah, man. So yeah, his house is actually pretty good. I, I heard a lot of people like talking about it like, maybe like a month or so ago. Um, you know, describing it as this hidden gem on Netflix that kind of just came out of nowhere and. Uh, I really liked it. <clears throat> it's worth the check. It's only an hour and a half long, so pretty easy to get through. Pretty easy to get through. Yep. <clears throat> uh, last thing I watched is a, is a another film that I rewatched to see about top 100 spotting. And I, I do know that this one will be in there pretty high. I was just kind of, you know, is it top 20? Is it in that 20 to 30 spot? <laughs> I won't reveal. But it's Richard Linklater's Before Midnight. That's a secret I'll never tell. You know you love me, XOXO. Gossip, Zach. Gossip. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. I'm having fun with this one. Yeah, you're hilarious, bud. Anyways, before night, you guys have seen it, right? Nope, but I got the I got the box set now. You mean the second best of the before trilogy? You're fucked. What do you do? You think before you think before sunrise is the best, don't you? I do. How does it go before sun sunrise? Sunset midnight. Okay. Okay, and I'm Chris. crossing Chris. my fingers for a fourth. I really friggin' am. Do you, you don't want to see that movie, I promise you. I What's do. that one called? Before Dawn? They they said the only way they would do a fourth one would be if one of the characters had to die. Yeah, and if it's Ethan Hawke getting over his wife's death, I'm all in. But if it's her getting over Ethan Hawke's death, I'm out. 
See, I, I think that's what the movie does. All these movies do pretty well is that both of them are equally compelling. And, you know, Chris is so wrong here where Sunrise is the worst one. It's a great oh, movie. Oh my gosh, it's not one. even close to the worst one. Are you it's kidding me? Midnight, Sunset, Sunrise. Sunset is interesting because it's their rekindling, but like, it just, there's a whole lot, like, there's not as much magic there as there is of the first one, and there's not as much yeah, intensity and, 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 overall good filmmaking as there is in the third one i like sunset because you know it's it asks the question of what if you know like what what would have happened should things have actually worked out and that's kind of what you want to know what if is an interesting question i get it and it addresses it pretty well but the buildup is so much more interesting and so much more magical. And, like, it makes the turns this one night into something so much more special. I don't know why we're arguing this, Chris, because Before Midnight is easily the best one. I would say it has a cool it has a cool monologue that lasts, like, 15 minutes long in the beginning in that car ride. And then it has a cool scene at the end. That fight scene at the end is really cool and really intense but the movie itself just the concept isn't as interesting the filmmaking isn't as interesting the scenery isn't as interesting so, so that's ethan hawk on the cover uh before sunrise doesn't he kind of look like the guy from uh boy meets world <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he kind of looks like the guy from Boyhood. Yeah, kind of. Am I right? Anyways, before midnight. So, it's really interesting. This movie, it doesn't feel like there are any scenes. It kind of seems like the movie effortlessly flows from, like, basically all they do is change location, but I wouldn't really say it's, like, a changed scene. It literally is... It, it's literally Ethan Hawke and Judy Delby talking for an hour and 40 minutes. And it's like, they, they're in the car, and it's like 15 minutes of a single take of them in the car driving, talking about whatever. And then they have a dinner, and it's them talking at dinner. They start walking, and they walk, and then once they start their walk, that takes you right to the end of the movie, bud. And it's, That's crazy. And, yeah, it's it's a lot of like single takes, and them just like walking and talking, or and them like arguing in the hotel room, which is like, I, I don't know. It it feels, I think it's done so well that it feels like you're watching something that like you shouldn't be watching. It's like watching your parents argue. It's like I shouldn't be seeing this. This seems too like not for kids. I shouldn't watch this. And that's what the movie feels. It feels like you're getting a look inside of this actual married couple, and you're like, someone just stuck a camera somewhere, and they just filmed a real couple arguing. Like, it's insane. Yeah, but it's so good. It's so and good, like, and it's like it's crazy how good it actually is, considering it's literally just talking the entire time. There's a like the, the behind the scenes documentary, and like I guess they write the dialogue together. Like Richard Linklater kind of like 
he kind of knew where he wanted the story to go, but they kind of all wrote the dialogue together. Hmm. Like, it's... It just flows... I guess that would be my problem with the first two, is that it seems like there was there, there are clear and definitive like cut points where like they're going to transition to something else. This movie literally is like from the opening scene, opening credits to end credits, it all just flows together into one. I don't think unless you were looking for cuts, I don't think you would ever see them. Fuck, I gotta I gotta watch these. I don't know what I why I keep putting them off. Well I think the benefit is you don't I don't think you have to watch them sequentially. You don't there's have to, but really, do it. Yeah, there's oh, that's nothing how I really in them that like like would prohibit you from understanding what's going on. It's not tenant. Oh, but it's not like I don't want to jump in at the you know, in the middle of their marriage. I need to know how they met, you know what I mean? Would you know any anything about it? Besides I what you've heard I, us say? I just know what you guys have said really. Sunrise is good. Sunset's pretty good. I'm sure I will really like it. I I enjoy like really well written, like character driven movies, and that seems like this. I think What Night is the best because it just feels like a more mature work than the other two. I just I really like the the idea of like how how good they actually are. Like I appreciate what he was able to do with it because there's no like I really like before sunrise because there's no drama pushing it forward. It's literally just pure writing that keeps you interested from point A to point B to all the way to Z. And then with the second one, there's a reason for them meeting and they kind of work through some stuff in that one. And then in the third one, they do the same thing and that's all they're doing is working through stuff basically besides, you know, a little bit in the beginning, but like, before Sunrise, it's it's easy. It's an easy movie to make. Like two people meeting for the first time, like and sparking a connection. There's so much there, like that you could easily just like connect and like write about. But like when you get to the midnight, and this is an established couple that's been together for years, it's like you're making things that have to be relatable to other people. Oh yeah. Like, I like mean, everyone... I understand how in the first one you're open, everything's open ended because these people don't know each other yet. But like, th- keeping it so compelling when it's just two people walking around town and talking about anything, without any direction, without any sense of uh, any sense of plot, nothing. It's basically just these people doing their thing, and it's so interesting the entire time. I like how like. Again, you don't need the other ones for a sense of understanding, but you can kind of understand like where Ethan Hawke might be coming from because you've seen the other two. Like you can kind of understand why he might have this growing sense of resentment towards her because of what has happened in the other movies. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I definitely want to check him out. I'd say watch all three of them tonight. The great Christmas movies, I would say. Yes. Chris, you got nothing you want to tell us about? I'm tapped, man. All right. I guess I would um, say before midnight, I wish maybe you feel differently, Chris. I wish they would have left it open ended about whether or not they stay together. 
Whoa. Jeez, I, no spoilers, please. Oh, come on. For fuck's sake. Come on. I think, come on. I think that closes down the trilogy, and it doesn't open them up to him fourth, so. But, like, they get divorced, don't they? Don't tell no. me, but. I don't know. I don't know, Jake. Watch the whole trilogy tonight and you'll find out. One of them definitely enters the time loop. (laughs) Oh, man. One enters the turnstile. Ethan Hawke shows up at the end and talks to the other Ethan Hawke and says, don't do it, my friend. They definitely don't save Buckbeak at the end. All I'm saying. <laughs> um, anything else, Zach? You want to talk about? That's it. I've just been watching Letterkenny. Other than that, I'll save Game of Thrones for when I'm finished. You've seen all of Letterkenny, right? Yes. Dude, I just watched the episode where they have the Letterkenny talent show. <laughs> That's a good one. It's like uh. Here to perform a monologue from Gladiator is Gale. Oh my gosh. It's, it's not actually Gladiator, it's Glad He Ate Her, Triple X. She just performs <laughs> this like poor ripoff monologue from Gladiator. Oh, it's so good. I freaking love Gale, dude. She gets she gets better. Like she gets so much better as the show goes on too. Dude, I'll never forget. Oh, I've been flicking more bean in a Starbucks. Barista. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait until um I, I'm not even gonna say it. I'm gonna let you experience that on your own. I'm not even gonna preface you. I've been and then the uh the two gay guy cat callers were pretty pretty hilarious. Oh my god, no, they they stay constant too. Like you they um you know how they have those characters that show up for a season and then they bounce? Like, these guys become regulars of the show. Pretty pretty funny. I'm just pumped for the new season to come out in a couple days. Yeah, I'm trying to finish it before that comes out, but I don't think it's going to happen. Where are you at now? Uh, the first episode of season five. Okay. If you If you really chug along, you probably could. Yeah, sure, if I really chug along. Nothing else for you guys? Nope. I'm good. All right. Uh, Oh, Chris, I was curious. Are you a big fan of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey one? It's okay. Uh, If I'm being completely honest, the only Christmas movie that I'm really good with is um, Polar Express. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? It's overrated. I'm sorry. What about what about I'm sorry. It is every other every Christmas movie is completely overrated, except for Polar Express. Okay, now we're just getting into legend territory. So, like, it's kind of hard to compare to anything. Christmas of the Cranks is overrated. Santa Claus Three: The Escape Clause. Again, for the Santa Claus trilogy, I put it right up there with the Before trilogy. You know my feelings on that. (laughs) (laughs) No Fred Claus guy? The only trilogy that could beat both is if they came up with the Grown Ups 3, which, crossing my fingers, guys. It could happen. I was just curious on your thoughts 
I happened to rewatch it last night while we were making gingerbread cookies. That's a good night. And it's it's not like all like the moments that people like single out aren't really what's funny to me. It's like these little liners that kind of just get like to just kind of get thrown aside and kind of like wash over you. I think are pretty funny. The thing that ruins that movie is that you have to follow the Grinch plot because Jim Carrey is easily the best part of that movie. So if they could just throw out the entire plot of the Grinch and just let him do his thing for like how however long, hour and a half as the Grinch, I'd be so much more enjoyed with that movie. I think I laughed the hardest when it's at the very end when he's stealing the stuff and Cindy Lou who catches him and he's she's like talking to him. And then she's like, Santa, what's Christmas all about? And then he like pokes his head through. He's like, vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> or when he's going through the, the, the phone book and he's just like, hate, 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 double hate, loathe entirely. <laughs> yeah, there's just like these little things that like stick out to me that I'm like, oh shit, those are funny. Like, I've never even picked up on these. Wallow in self pity. I can't miss that again. <laughs> no, I was just curious. I thought maybe you'd be a big fan of it, just since you love Jim Carrey. I wish I was, man. I'm just not a big fan of Christmas movies. I don't think. I don't mm-hmm. know how you don't like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's hilarious. It's good. Like it's good. I would say Chevy Chase is solid, and like his brother gives it gets me right at my tickle, my uh, my laughing spot, whatever it is. But like, other than that, man, I just think it's overrated. Maybe it's just Christmas movies in general, like the idea of it that I don't get behind. Well, tell that to your four star rating of Fat Man. Yeah, it's different though, and you know it. <laughs> Um, so next week we're going to review The Sound of Metal hell yeah brother got it Chris this is your last time to veto man for the year no I'll keep I'll keep this I, I, I it think expires I'm, I know yeah, you, can't use it. you basically wasted a veto I, I wasted a veto then not that I was happy with every other choice but like I think I can stomach every other choice we made Hmm. Well, all right. Um, nothing else anybody wants to mention when we sign off here? I'm all set. All right. Well, as always, thank you for downloading. Thanks for listening. Hope everybody has a great Christmas if you're into that sort of thing. We'll see you next week with The Sound of Metal. Bye-bye. <laughs>